Uh, the scriptures are, there's two of them this morning. The first one is from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus, said, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. And then the next one is from Acts, chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 9. And it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you be at this time, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. We are in uh, message number six of our, our series called Revive Vision, where we're talking about what our, our new church is going to be all about. And what I'm really doing is unpacking our vision. And each week, and we'll, we'll, we'll share this with you in the congregation meeting, so be sure to stick around. What is the vision and all our ministry values? A lot of this stuff isn't really new, but um, you know, we've kind of like re-tightened up our language up so that we could, uh, we could communicate that well to our neighbors in our city. And so really all I'm doing throughout this ser um, series is going through our vision by unpacking our ministry values. And if you notice that I've preached the same two verses this is the third message in a row on these two verses. And we're really, and I spend, I'm spending a lot of time on this one particular value, which is making um, missional disciples of all nations. That's the one that I'm, I'm preaching through. And so um, two weeks ago, I gave a message really about how churches stumble that we gather together to do more like consumeristic religion. And we're usually, you know, we're usually settle on just meeting nice people or something like this and trying to have a nice life. But that, that isn't really Jesus' call. And last week, I gave a message on how disciple, um, being a disciple is to follow. It is a long obedience. It is a long obedience. But the whole thing, discipleship itself, is like the biggest grace of our life. That's what I talked about last week. And today, what I want to get into is what it means to make disciples of the nations. And in our particular city, this city, Silicon Valley, it's actually, if you ask me, it's one of the most exciting places to do this. Right? And I hope you'll see that. And, and um, we, think, we think what we want to endeavor to do in our city, it is a really special thing. And it's a very special opportunity and a very special time. And that's part of what we want, what we want to talk about today. So um, Disciple-making from the nations, that's the name of uh, today's message in, in three parts. Part one, the Antioch Church in Silicon Valley. Uh, if you've been with uh, me for a while, you know that I care very much about the Antioch Church. 
And the Antioch Church is a very, very special church in the book of Acts. And we aim to be a new kind of Antioch Church. So that's what I want to talk about, the Antioch Church in Silicon Valley. Part two, um, reaching the ends of the earth in our city. That sounds a little strange. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. That's a really, that's a really grand and um, seemingly impossible command and desire from the king of kings. But actually, um, in our city, you don't even have to go to the end of the earth because the end of the earth comes into our city, right? I'm reaching the ends of the earth in our city, and I'm going to close by talking about the gospel um, in this way, following Jesus with Jesus, following Jesus with Jesus, right? So let's get right into our text. Um, Let's go to Matthew 28. Maybe I can ask our brother to throw verse 19 up there. So this is, um, this is uh, what, what Jesus says. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But then he says this, Go therefore and make disciples, what? Of all nations. Last week I focused on this portion where he says right after that, um, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. That's what I talked about, the long obedience. But today I want to talk about you know, there are so many churches today that will say, we make disciples, but I, I think most, most churches kind of conveniently forget this part of all nations. Or the way they thought about making disciples of all nations, and this is kind of, if you ask me, this is the old way, which is, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not a bad way, and we do it too. What the old way is, what we're going to do is we're going to raise up people, and then we're going ra- you know, to r- gather money, and then we're going to support these people, and we're going to pray for them, and they're going to go to the nations, and then we, you know, we're going to send missionaries to the farms of the earth. Our church does this too, and quite frankly, all churches should do this, right? But um, I think that's an old way, <laughs> all right? Um, as the world has gotten smaller and smaller, you know, our, the churches in America, this is a multi-ethnic. Um, ethnic is oh, the word from the, from the Greek, which literally means nations, Right? Ethnos means nations. The multi-ethnos, ours is a multi-nation, multi-ethnos country. And nowadays, um, if you want to reach the nations, you don't actually have to go to the nations because the nations come to us. Except the churches are still kind of living in the past where mostly what we tend to do is racial and ethnic segregation for churches. That's what we do. So most of the churches are living in the habits of like, okay, well, there'll be, you know, this is the church for kind of the, the European, you know, mixed ethnic nations, what, what we would call like Caucasian or, or white American churches. And then we call this like the African or call them the black churches over here. And then we have like Asian, but I mean, there are some Asian American churches, but, you know, they tend to be even much more specifically, you have Chinese churches, and then you have Korean churches. There's a few Japanese churches, and even Vietnamese churches in our city. Most churches still operate in this way. And then when they think about who are we supposed to make disciples of, they think about their nation. <laughs> they think about their ethnic, right? And, but that isn't what Jesus said. <laughs> L- Lord, Jesus, before he ascends, he's very ex- explicit Make disciples of all nations. That's what it says. Now let me ask you to um, let me ask our brother to, to flip to um, Acts one. Let's let's go to the other passage. 
And um, this is how it's said in Acts chapter 1. Actually, um, I'll just read it. Acts 1, verse 8. That's, a, that's the important verse that I want us to learn. And Acts 1, 8 is very much the same thing, right? Jesus puts it this way, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's, that, and here's the important part. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, a, of course, a Jewish dominant, but it's a global city. It was a multi-ethnic city, but of course, it's, it's, very, much, it's very much dominated by um, Israelites. Um, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then in Judea, Judea is the surrounding region. And again, it's pretty much Jewish. It's, uh, it's pretty, um, that's the, the main ethnic group is Israelites. Um, by the way, there's more than one language. Um, this is a, the, the, the global language of the time is Greek. And so most of them will speak a, um, a variation of Hebrew at the time that was Aramaic. That's the, that's the Hebrew that Jesus spoke. He spoke Aramaic. But many of them also spoke Greek. And so you have like two languages going on, even though they're the same ethnicity. And then he says, you'll be my witness in Samaria. Now you have people that are sort of like half, historically half Jewish, and they've, they've mixed together. They have similarities of religion, but differences of language, customs, and culture. And quite frankly, Jews hated Samaritans and vice versa. There's just very thick, deep racism between the two of them. So when Jesus is saying, you'll be my witnesses in Samaria, that is, that's, a, that's a difficult command. There, he's completely cracking open the ethnocentricity of what they're used to doing. And then, and then, the, and then the crazy part, and to the end of the earth. That's, can you imagine at that time? And to the end of the earth, every nation, all the way to the end. Now, it is a commonplace um, thing that Jesus is the savior of all people. But I want to I I tighten this up a little bit. Jesus is not just a savior of all people. He's here to redeem nations. That means people don't have to give up being you know, Chinese or give up being Vietnamese or Mexican when they are redeemed by Jesus. In fact, he's interested in redeeming Chinese-ness. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a, being what it means to even be Chinese, or what it means to be Mexican, or what it means to be, how about American? And so this, this, is, this is the vision of the Great Commission, and I don't think most of us here in America, we really appreciate this. What we tend to do in America is, well, Jesus is just interested in reaching individuals, and if they are of other nations, that's really cool. <laughs> But really what we're going to do is just kind of all lump them all together and individuals meet Jesus almost like if you could just line everybody up single file line one by one by one. That isn't Jesus' command. Make disciples of the nations. He's interested in witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's the command. Now, I want to say something about this. Let's just unpack a little bit about this Bible. People are like, well, of course, you know, this is a really modern thing. It's so modern, it started 2,000 years ago, right? It isn't modern. This is, this is the Lord's will. This is, God's, this is God's command before he, was, he sent it up. The Son of God, this is what he commanded. And then let me just say this to you. The early church started. 
So Jesus ascends, and then there's Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out into the city. Peter gives this incredible sermon, and then thousands are saved, and they're all Jewish. And so the very first church was a megachurch. And then did they obey what Jesus told them to do, to go out there? So now, send a bunch of people, go into Samaria, and then send a bunch of people, and then go to, you know, go to, uh, go to the Syrians. <laughs> go to Corinth. You know, go to Italy where the, the Romans are, and then even beyond, go even further, because there's even more nations beyond that. Did they do that? No. <laughs> they didn't do that. The very first church, this incredible, like, mega church that, like, arose overnight, you know what they did? They just stuck with themselves, just with the Jews. That's what they did. They did ethnocentric church, because in their mind, believing in Jesus is, is our thing. It's for us. And so they built this church wholly only of Jews. And by the way, I told you that there's even a language difference inside this Jewish church. So this might sound kind of familiar. If you get into the next few chapters of Acts, they actually have a problem. Because what happens is they have, a, they have, a, they, they have mercy ministry, which they give money, especially to the widows and the poor. And some of the members of the church start to um, complain. Why? Because they think the people... The poor who speak their language, in other words, the Greek-speaking poor widows, are getting shortchanged in the ministry. So they're the same ethnicity. Everybody's Jewish. Some of them speak Greek. Some of them speak Hebrew. And they're having problems getting along and doing ministry in unity. By the way, does, doesn't that sound very like oddly familiar? <laughs> um, like, that, like, this is a really new problem, isn't it? It is not a new problem. It's an incredibly old problem to the very first church. <laughs> and so, not unlike, well, say, our church, you know, not everybody in this congregation, of course, is of, of, of the Korean ethnicity, but a lot of them are. And yet, you know, you got two congregations, you know, people in the same building, a lot of the same ethnicity, different language, and they're having problems. That was the way it was in the very first church. And here we go. So they're all doing great. People are getting saved day by day. The, that church had incredible love and unity. They would eat together and gather together, and they said that people were being saved every day. Isn't that incredible? And yet, was God happy that this is the church that they had? They had this incredible, great Jewish holy huddle, and it was growing, 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 a successful church. But that wasn't what Jesus said to do. And so you know how he got them to do it? I want to say this. I said this to, um, I've, I've given a variation of this message to uh, our team, to the bishop team. Because um, when we go out to Native American Reservation, we have to learn how to do exactly what Jesus did. Share the gospel, be witnesses to the Paiutes, and then make disciples out of the Paiutes. And then guess what? We have a room full of like East Asians, or at least those of East Asian um, um, descent. And... We're all like wanting to do a holy huddle. We're on bishop. <laughs> you actually go into the reservation, and, and then we tend to clump together into you know, our churches 
like Asian clumps and be nervous about going out onto the Paiute Reservation, even though the weather mission, that's what we do. So I've taught a variation of this. But, um, you know, if we will not obey Jesus, he has ways to get us to obey. You know that? <laughs> um, God will not be defeated. The Lord, the king, has ways to get his people to follow. And you know how he did it in, in, the, um, in the early church? This is how he did it. <laughs> The way he did it was he allowed persecution to hit the city. So one of their best members, a guy named Stephen, um, he's actually one of their key members, he gave this sermon because this message about Jesus is not popular in the Jewish world. I mean, you think um, Christianity is unpopular in, in the Bay Area? It's, it's nothing close to how unpopular it was in Jerusalem. And Peter gave this incredibly powerful sermon, and um, the people in the town, they arose up, and today we would call it a lynching. <laughs> but they didn't hang him. What they did was they stoned him. They were so enraged, they grabbed this guy, threw him into a pit, and stoned him. And then the church, what happened in the church? This is what happened in the church. Then the church scattered to the nations. That's what happened. And so, let's pick up the story. Acts chapter 11. So let me ask our brother to put that up there. Acts 11. Tremendously important passage. Um, and so, some of the Christians from this church in Jerusalem, they scattered up to the city of Antioch. This, so this is what it's... Let's just put it, let's put it this way. Let's say that, I mean... I hope this doesn't sound overly theoretical because I actually think this could happen sometime in the next certain number of years where um, you know, one of the major employers of, of our town decides uh, they really want to start firing all the people who believe in Jesus because they think that we're all bigoted and haters. Right? And that could happen. I'm sure you all know that could happen. And then some of our members might scatter to other cities, right? And they may be far away. So that would be something like the equivalent in our city, but, but it was worse. I mean, he was, he was murdered, okay? And so going, some of them um, went to Antioch. That would be like if people left Silicon Valley and went to, say, um, I would say Vancouver. That'd be a pretty good comparison. That's about as north Antioch is about as far north of Jerusalem as, say, like Vancouver. It's another country, very multi-ethnic city. But then these Antioch, these Jewish Christians from Jerusalem started doing something very interesting. So let's pick up the story. Verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Speaking the word to no one except Jews. So here we go. That's all they're doing. Same thing. They only talk to the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. So who are Hellenists? Hellenists are Jews who speak Greek. Okay? Preaching the Lord Jesus, sharing the gospel. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Jesus, his hand was with them. 
and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, center church, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, one of their best leaders. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many were added to the Lord. People were just getting saved. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Um, later on, he has a more famous name. His name is Paul, because he knows that I know a guy who can be an even better preacher. Let's go get this guy. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Why? Because this idea that ethnic folks gathered together only worship with you know, people of their own ethnicity, it's a totally old thing. <laughs> Because that's completely the normal thing. Even today, if you go to another country, if they, if they hear that you're from America, do you, this is really strange, I know, to Americans. Do you know that if they hear that you're from America, they tend to think that you're a Christian? Because <laughs> they've heard that Christianity is a big thing in America, so they think America is a Christian nation. Why? Because when they look at their country, they're like, we're a Muslim nation. <laughs> It doesn't mean that every single person believes in every single thing out of the Quran, but they just see themselves like that's the dominant religion. It is our state religion. Everyone is born into it. You don't choose your religion and your faith. You're just born into it. Guess what? Everybody thinks that. They've been thinking that since history. And so every ethnic group has their own special religion. So what's sort of happening in Antioch is they're like, what do you call these weird people? Because they're not all Jewish. Some of these Greek-speaking new converts who are Jewish started sharing the gospel to non-Jewish people, to the ends of the earth people in Antioch, and they started getting saved. And so um, if you, uh, there, there's this terrific book called The, um, the Rise of Christianity by uh, Rodney Stark, and he would give you he gives you like um, charts of the way the cities were back then. What Romans did back then was they would literally wall off different portions. So you guys, you guys with this skin color over here, you guys with this skin color and language over here, you guys in your weird religious practice over here, they would literally wall people off. <laughs> because otherwise there would, be, there would be race warfare and riots. That's how the Romans kept the peace. But what do you do with a group of people who would start to crossed these barriers, these points of segregation, and they would gather together and call on this guy named Jesus and say he is our God. They didn't have a name for him. <laughs> there was no ethnic name for them. They started calling them Christians. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> the first cross-cultural, multi-ethnic, missional church that makes disciples of the nations, that's the Antioch church. And ever since I ever came into this church, I always said, you know what we're going to be? We're going to be an Antioch church. Except we've kind of had this issue with like being like, you know, being sent, you know, being in this English congregation out of a Korean. And we just didn't know how to like, but you, you know, like get beyond that sometimes. And so, you know, we are starting to crack beyond that, and which is always exciting to me. But you know what? We're going to take all the wraps off. <laughs> Revive is a new thing. Right? 
No more Korean anything. We're going to take all the wraps off. You know what we're going to be? We're just going to be the Antioch church in this city. Let's go to part two. All right. Um, what I want to do, part two, reaching the ends of the earth in our city. I want to say a couple things about Silicon Valley. And um, if you're from here and you've lived here a while, you might, uh, over a while, you just get used to living here. But, and then you just, you're like, it's a city. It's like all the other It's not like all the other cities. <laughs> right? If you've lived in another city for um, any period of time, you know this city is strange. But I'm not sure how, I, what I want to point out to you is this city in all of history, and this city is not one city. It's like San Jose and Santa Clara and Sunnyvale and Cupertino and Palo Alto, etc. It's kind of like, when I say our city, the whole area you know, is, is, is what I mean because there's no one city center. But this place, Silicon Valley, it is historically, it's a, it's a remarkably strange and unique place. I don't know if you know that, right? That throughout history, there are certain cities that are so special and they have global impact and they draw incredible talent from around the world. And so um, let's just, just to give you other examples, um, let's just take the movie industry. The movie industry was started in a place west of Los Angeles called Hollywood. And do you think someone else can just come along and invent a new Hollywood? They can't, right? So what happens, all the people who want to influence the world and be a part of that glory, they go there. And it's not like Portland can say, hey, let's start a new Hollywood. <laughs> That's not going to happen, all right? Everybody knows that can happen. So what you can get is like Bollywood, because they'll do that there. And you can get like Hong Kong cinema, right? But they're all just comp competing against the big dog, number one, Hollywood, right? That's us. Right? New York, that's like money. There's like three places in the world that's like the center of money. It's like New York, Hong Kong, London, right? And so if you want to be in the thick of the money, money, glory of the world, you've got to go to one of those three cities, and the world shows up in those places to do that. And, um, and I know we look like a bunch of boring suburbs, but this is what we are, right? And... I know other people go, oh, we're going to build Silicon Alley. And then, you know, like, okay, whenever you hear that stuff, you should just laugh, right? I'm telling you, you should just laugh. I know Seattle's got some really good tech talent, and so does Boston and Austin and whatever, okay? But let me tell you, they're not kind of behind. They're way behind. <laughs> and now we're not just, this city is not just doing technology. They're just inventing new things, period. Do you realize that the car industry, the car capital in America was Detroit? It's not Detroit anymore. You know where the car capital of America is? It's right here. It's right here. That's crazy. It's right here. And you know what that means? The world is coming here. It used to be if you wanted to get to the reach and make disciples the ends of the earth, you had to go there. Now, just look at the city in a new way. And then look at Matthew chapter 28 in a new way. And our church, this is what we want to do. Now, let me see if I can give... Now, let me say a, a couple other things. I want to cast a little vision. What is vision? Okay, some people think vision casting is this. There's some guy, he, he purports to be a leader, and what he has is a dream. It's like actually kind of like a fantasy, <laughs> right? And then he throws that dreaming fantasy at you, and it's like it's totally unreal. 
you know, it's totally unreal. But what's the difference between a dream slash fantasy and a vision? Let me tell you the difference. There's a big difference between a dream and a vision. A dream can become a vision, but if it cannot become real, it's just a fantasy. Okay? A dream is just a daydream and a fantasy. But if it can become real, it's a vision. And let me tell you something. Um, we're not even just talking about God here. Like, uh, there was a guy, he had a vision. You know, there was a guy from this area. He was messing around with his phone, and he got really angry because his phone, he thought, was terrible, right? And then he threw it across the room, and he smashed it. I know I read this in, the, in a book, okay? There's a biography about this guy. And then he said, you know, we could do better. <laughs> he turned around and says, we could do better. This was not a phone company. It was a computer company. And you guys all know what the, you guys all know who I'm talking about, right? And then he said, let's build a better phone. It's like, let's, I'm sick of all waiting for companies like Nokia and Ericsson or Motorola to keep giving us these junky phones. Let's build one better. And what was that? That's called a vision. It was a vision. Was it real? No. It's not real. Can it become real? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and did it sound crazy? Of course it sounds crazy. A computer company completely behind the curve of all the other phone companies says, let's build it better than them because they don't know how to do it. And now, who's the big dog? So that was a vision. And what I want to do right now is give you a vision. It's not a dream. And it's going to be powered not by Susang, not even by you guys, but we need partners, people who believe in this. So how do you make um, disciples of all nations? So last week I said that we already started a disciple making what we think is what Pastor Young and I think is one of the most exciting things our church or any church could ever do. Life on life, missional discipleship. And we've asked certain people, and if you want to learn more about this, I cast up a little video. You can go to our YouTube channel and watch a little video on this thing, and it'll explain it more to you, okay? But um, so we're where certain people will ask certain others for very high commitment. It's like one year commitment at a time, up to three years. And then the goal of this is that after the three years, that person will multiply and then disciple. So you can just think about this. Two generations, three generations, the numbers. I mean, it doesn't take long before you can start off just discipling 10 people or 15 people, but it doesn't take long before this thing just starts getting explosive. And that's what we have, we've already unleashed this, started this in our church. So, okay, well, you know, we're not doing all nations. Sure we are. We already started. <laughs> so this thing I'm telling you where we're making disciples of all nations, it's already started. It's already real. So let me give you an example. You have Christy. She's one, um, she's, uh, she's one of the disciplers. One of the, of the women that's in her discipleship group, because you know, we do women with women, men with men, is Tiffany. <laughs> so Christy is second generation Korean American. Tiffany is ABC American born Chinese. Here we go, we're already breaking into China. <laughs> China in Silicon Valley, right? Uh, Pastor Young, he, he's got Sonny. Sonny's ABC Chinese. He's actually in London today, I think. See, <laughs> he's already, all right? And, uh, 
And here we go. And then I've got Ron in my group. You know, Ron is Filipino from Hawaii, right? And so we're already making disciples of the nations right out of this church in our city. Okay, so now let me cast vision, okay? Let's cast vision. This past week, um, it was my turn to get um, breakfast for our discipleship group. And so uh, Ron told me that his favorite um, donut place is Donut Wheel in Cupertino. And I know this place because I grew up here and I've driven by Donut Wheel, I don't know, hundreds of times, but I've never gone there. And I was like, really? You like it better than Stan's? I thought Stan's is the best donut place in, 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 our, in our city, but he likes it better than Stan's. So I said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Donut Wheel. So I got up early in the morning, went to Donut Wheel, got some coffees, picked up some donuts, and um, the woman, you know, putting donuts in there, you know what she says to me? So there's like just me and her, and like, like there was a Caucasian dude, he just got it done, then it was, it was my turn, and there's only two of us in the store. It's really early in the morning. And she goes, are you Korean? <laughs> Do I look Korean, guys? I said, yeah. <laughs> and I turned to her and I said, well, how about you? What ethnicity are you? You know what she said? She said, I'm Chinese Cambodian. <laughs> and inside, I started laughing. I was like, you're not just Chinese, you're Chinese Cambodian. <laughs> I actually thought of Nancy because, you know, <laughs> she's like, you know, she's a Chinese Laotian, or at least that's where her parents came from, from Laos. So her parents are from Laos, even though she's ethnically Chinese. And I started thinking, like, maybe I'll just keep coming here more often. And uh, I like this lady. She had this kind of bright, you know, friendly personality. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe uh, we'll pick up a relationship here, a little friendship. Um, it reminded me, a number of years ago, um, there, was, there was a donut shop just down the street. And um, a Vietnamese family ran that shop. And I picked up a friendship with the, the mom and dad, who barely spoke English, and their daughter. Their daughter was second generation Vietnamese. And, um, and I was always like thinking about ways to like trying to, you know, like invite her to church, right? And, um, but let's just say this goes. So I invite this woman, or maybe she goes, you know what, my son is interested. <laughs> so I can totally see this happening. My son is interested, he's thinking about church because he's dating this Indian gal, and she's from South India, where there's more Christians. So this Indian gal grew up in church, but she's not going to church. But they're dating Chinese-Cambodian son. And so she introduces me to him because he's interested in church, because I'm the only pastor she knows. <laughs> so then I invite him into church. And next thing you know, you got the Chinese-Cambodian young man walking into church with his semi-Christian <laughs> Indian girlfriend, and her faith gets jazzed up, revived, and then he's like exploring the gospel, and then let's say he gets saved right now. Can that happen? It's going to happen. <laughs> and then, guess what? So now, it's a, few, it's a couple years down the line, and now Tiffany is leading her own <laughs> um, discipleship group, right? And Sonny's leading, you know, his own you know, discipleship group. And Sonny hits it off with, the son of this Chinese-Cambodian lady, and he goes, you want to be in my discipleship group? 
So he gets saved, he's baptized, and he's like, you want to be in my deception? He's like, yes. So we got Sonny, ABC Chinese, discipling the young man who's Chinese-Cambodian. And then we'll have, you know, we'll have Tiffany, ABC Chinese, discipling the young lady who's South Indian in our city. Multiple. It's like far reaches the ends of the earth right here. Did I just tell you something that can't happen? It's going to happen. <laughs> That's what our church is going to be about. Is that worth something to you? Is that worth your time? Your money? Your blood? Your sweat? Your hurt? <laughs> your joys? Your disappointment? I hope, I hope it is. Because that's the church we're, we're going to have, right? Now let me close and let's go to the table of the Lord, right? This is the way I want to close. This isn't going to be easy. In all our fleshly normalness, we just we're, we're just like those early <laughs> we're just like those early Jewish Christians. We just kind of want to do our own comfort zone thing, right? And and then I told you last week that Jesus called twelve men to follow him, and mostly they just fell down and said dumb things and <laughs> screwed up regularly. And I called like we call them the twelve disciples, but really we can call them the twelve idiots because there's lots of evidence that they are the twelve idiots in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Jesus gave them this command and poured out his spirit upon them. And the 12 idiots started becoming something less than idiots. Why? Because I want to end with this. This is what, this, this is what it says in the end of this passage where Jesus gives his great commission. You know, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then this is how he says it. And behold, I am with you always. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, I want to close by talking about this. There's two ways he's with us. One is, well, it's just like the 12 idiots would fall down. Do you think Jesus, by his spirit, he's with us? We don't get the words. So then Jesus goes, okay, I guess we'll have to do something else. Maybe a little persecution will help you out. All right? Oh, you've fallen down. Let me pick you up. Don't you remember things like feed the multitude? Remember? I multiply five loaves and two fish. Some of you guys, literally in the next, when we get to them, might get a little nervous about our budget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Jesus is with us. He multiplies small amounts of money into bigger amounts of money because if he can take five loaves and two fish, certainly he can do that. Right? He's with us encouraging us, teaching us, training us, providing for us, and doing far more than we ever thought can imagine. That's one way. But let me close with the gospel. To be saved is to be united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. We're going to go forward, and we're going to do things in selfish ways and in foolish ways, or just like, oh, I'm just scared. I don't know. And you know what we're going to do? We are united to Christ. All our lack of faith, all our selfishness, all our self-righteousness, all our racism, we're going to crucify it on the cross with Jesus. Because so if you're united to Christ, that's like one of the verses we, that in a discipleship we have to memorize. All those who belong to Christ 
Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we're in Christ with Christ, we walk and embrace the cross. And the cross, I know it can be a painful thing, but it's a beautiful thing when all our wickedness and all our self-righteousness dies with Christ. And then it's the other part. We walk in the spirit, in the resurrection, in the newness of life. And when we, we will take that newness of life with the Holy Spirit, with the gospel, with Jesus, and when we meet people, so what I'm going to have to remember this next time I walk in a donut wheel, Jesus is with me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's newness of life is with me. And when I meet her, she's meeting Christ with me. <laughs> and Jesus will do his thing and start inviting the nations into our orbit for them to be transformed and Jesus can start transforming and reaching nations. You believe that? Or you believe that? Not because it's us or how good we are. But he will take and we will mortify all our idiotness on the cross. <laughs> and he will make alive the power of the Holy Spirit and the newness of life. Let's pray. <clears throat> we go to your table, Lord Jesus. It signifies we are united to you in your death and resurrection. And if my brothers and sisters are like me, there's a mixture of excitement and fear. We are, you know, if we look to ourselves, we have much reason to think that we are not very capable and we don't have much resources. And will we be able to do this incredible thing how can we be the Antioch church here in this wild and strange city? But with Christ, with the great Jesus and the power of his resurrection and of the cross, if we embrace you, we can do all things in you and with you. Give us repentance and faith. And I pray that you would learn, that we would learn that in your blood our fears and unbelief can be washed away. And in the bread of your life, newness of your spirit and courage and faith and wisdom and humility and radical generosity can flow out of us and do far more than we ever imagined. We pray this in Jesus' name.